Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody and Steve. Today we're also joined by Mike once again and Elliot, the uh, chairman of the board of Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for the Liberty Block. We invite anyone listening to this podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts on the issues that we discuss. Good afternoon, everybody. Afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi, everyone. Okay, hey, I'm going to start off the show today because we have some very esteemed guests. Um, as we all know, governors across the nation have taken extreme powers for themselves during the so-called emergency of the COVID-19 pandemic. Whether or not it was an emergency back in March when little was known, many Americans wonder about the continuing dictatorial powers assumed by governors many months later. Though different states have different emergency laws, it is hard to argue that governors have not pushed these to the limit. Yet for some odd reason, legislatures seem to be reticent about resisting this power grab. According to a story out today in New York City, law enforcement will be, quote, out in force as the holidays approach, stopping vehicles at certain New York City checkpoints, and there will be, quote, consequences for violating quarantine requirements. Public health officials in Los Angeles County ordered a ban on outdoor dining effective at 10 p.m. today. And New Mexico's governor may have topped all of this by announcing a shutdown of about 14 grocery stores, including Walmarts for two weeks. It seems to many of us that if the emergency were so well agreed to by the body politic, it would not be difficult after all this time for governors to convene their respective legislatures to pass laws the normal constitutional way. In some states, some legislators are fighting back to rein in their governors. We are honored today to have with us one state representative and a state representative elect from the Granite State, which is Liberty Block's home, to discuss their new initiative to rein in their governor. So welcome, Mike and Melissa. Are we going with seniority or are we going with ladies first? Go with seniority. I'll follow Mike's lead. <laughs> okay, Mike, tell us about what you did, why you did it, and whatever else you want to share. Okay, so we've been uh, pushing hard on this issue from the beginning, uh, all the way back to um, geez, May, June. We were working on getting this thing stopped. And it was clear back then that the governor kind of boxed himself in by having this state of emergency and then proceeding to put on top of that a bunch of executive orders. Because it, in order to unwind it, he would have to, he, he could not just tear the uh, state of emergency off and, well, in his mind anyway, let everything go back to normal. Um, they wanted to maintain control over schools and what people do and how many people gather where and all of the, the conditions that have been put on the people, which are unconstitutional. These, uh, we have a, a really strong constitution in New Hampshire. 
in the uh, New Hampshire Constitution was created not with a Bill of Rights, but the, the, the people who framed our Constitution put the rights of the people first, and this is part first of our Constitution, and they said these are the rights of the people, and they cannot be infringed, they're not needed for government, hands off. And then part second of our constitution, it's a whole second section of it. That is what frames up the government and gives the government power and sets up the authorities. So there's a whole long list of parts, uh, articles to part first. And we are, you know, the, this, the governor is stepping all over those. And he's done it with essentially the blessing of the then uh, controlled Democrat House and Senate. Uh, the Democrats, being in the majority, had no interest in stopping this. They like the authoritarian style of ruling by an executive, and they're just waiting for their time uh, sometime in the future when they have a Democrat governor and they can declare some emergency, whether true or not, and they can do even worse than Governor Sununu was doing. So that's the background for where we're at today. We've gotten to the point, we've discussed back and forth many issues. We've got uh, various pieces of legislation that will undo these statutes that were put in place, by the way, after 9-11. Uh, they were put in place to have continuing government and government powers in the case of an emergency. And clearly, New Hampshire did quite fine for a couple of hundred years, made it through a civil war, made it through the Spanish flu, made it through two world wars. And then all of a sudden we have to have this after 9-11 and they brought in the whole security theater. And now the next step, they're stepping right towards the biosecurity theater where essentially humans are disgusting non entities that need to be controlled right down to where they can go and what they can wear and they force them to put a mask on. It's dehumanizing. And this is entirely against our constitution. Have I rambled enough yet? Yeah, by the way, I actually, you have an amazing constitution. I started reading it. I don't know if anybody else has read the New Hampshire constitution, but it is just exactly how Mike presented it. I was very surprised how it enumerates your rights. And I'm actually gonna share article 10 at some point today because it's absolutely amazing. Um, Melissa, do you wanna just talk a little bit about what led up to this, maybe part of the reopen New Hampshire, um, just to make sure everybody knows the governor in New Hampshire is a Republican, unlike the governor in Michigan, who they're, who they're also trying an impeachment, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Initiative initiative again. So Melissa, do you want to talk about a little bit anything else that you have tried before? I know the House and the Senate have just switched over to Republicans. So I guess it's a whole new opportunity. It's a little bit of a challenge for us because we are Republican controlled now and we have a Republican governor. Uh, people don't want to um, go against their own party. But I think that he went against uh, our party um, by abandoning the Republican platform um, and the Constitution. Um, and I also would like to make the point that, you know, we're willing to do this to 
a member of our own party. And I think that that's a message to all future governors. It doesn't matter what party you are if you don't uphold the constitution. Can you explain what it is you've done for those people who don't know and, and what does it mean procedurally? Oh, the, the resolution? Okay, so um, I actually also filed a, a concurrent resolution to end the state of emergency per our state of emergency laws. Um, the only oversight that the legislators have over the governor is the ability to end the state of emergency via concurrent resolution. So that has been filed. And um, we attempted something similar in June. It was not successful. Um, the resolution to end the state of, uh, to um, begin the impeachment proceedings is, uh, it's not really to begin the impeachment, it's to begin an investigation to see whether an impeachment is warranted. Um, so, and I, I think it's time that the people, and, and not just here in New Hampshire, I think that all of the American people deserve explanations for the unlawful orders that we've been living under and the unscientific orders that we've been living under. So I am the executive director of Reopen NH, and um, we've been working on this since April. Um, we argue along with many scientists and doctors and um, health policy experts that this is unscientific as well as unlawful. Um, I don't know if everyone's aware here, but um, this idea of stay-at-home order, shutting down businesses, regulating businesses, it completely goes against the WHO's um, pandemic preparation plan. Um, this sort of flies in the face of everything that we have ever done with a pandemic ever before. And I think it's time that a governor has to answer for that. Right, so I don't want to admit, I don't want to see to the governor that if it were scientific, he can do it. No, so but would just say, it's unlawful and unscientific. Right, both. and if he wants to do it, I'm sure he can convince you and Mike and all the other wonderful legislators there that it's a great idea and within a matter of hours, you can pass a bill and sign it. So, okay, we're going to let people interrogate you. I mean, question you right now. Is that good? Sure. Okay, uh, Jody, ladies first. No, I just have a question. I don't know if you guys know the answer, but why is your governor behaving this? Why is he beha behaving so um, antithetical to really what conservatives and your party believe? Why? What is going on? Anybody have any ideas of his mindset? Is he just having a power, power trip moment? I think absolute power corrupts absolutely. Probably didn't start this way, but that's where we are now. Right, well, you know, look at DeSantis in so Florida. He's generally incredibly pro-freedom except for COVID. Who, Sununu? He's been great with guns. Okay. I think that he's a rhino who likes guns. Okay. <laughs> he's been good on there tax policy too, but, but I'm sure Mike knows more but than many are, But many governors are good on tax policy in New Hampshire because it's New Hampshire. Yep. I mean, we've had plenty of Democrat governors that were great on that too. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, uh, Chris is a, a, a child of a, a politician. Uh, his father was governor and senator, I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those free staters, so I don't know the, uh, the history of New Hampshire uh, that far back. But uh, he, he has grown up in a political family. He is very um, well-versed and knows his way around politics. He knows how to certainly work a crowd. He's very personable. Um, he, he's great at, you know, pleasing people, uh, except when they're grumpy, 
Republicans that don't like <laughs> shutdowns and things. Um, so he's 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 good at the art of uh, politics, and he knows how to gauge where things are and what to do and what not to do. And he knows right now, you know, people are the the, the propaganda campaign on this virus has been nonstop, constant, twenty four hours a day. Uh, mostly baloney and people are afraid. They're genuinely afraid. I know people, sensible people, friends of mine who are absolutely terrified by this and it's disgusting and, but he knows it and he knows how to, to how to work it. Uh, whether or not he actually believes it, I don't know. Um, but he, he knows how to, to work uh, the, the politics. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any sense of how pop, what his how popular he is in the state right now? Unbelievable! Anybody... Over ninety percent approval ratings, <laughs> okay. I believe. It's unbelievable. Okay, but and I'll be honest. I everything think... he does makes him more popular. Whatever he does, he gets more popular. It's unbelievable. I think his popularity is massively overstated. I've taken those polls. It sounds like I like him too. And yeah, I, I, I know how most of those polls are. Do you generally support? You know, the, right? The I mean, they make it sound like yeah. But, but that being said, what I do want to say, and then I also want to say, I know people who were in all the recounts here in the state, people are trying to say that he got us all elected. I think that actually, he said that. Um, I, I think that's massively overstated. I think Republicans on a whole are actually pretty disgusted with his COVID response. They voted for him because they didn't want to vote for Feltis. So yeah, I and think that's, that's what I wanted to say. He's burned so many bridges. I know he's popular and I understand why. And he is personable and he's very nice and everyone likes him. But he's burned a lot of bridges and he continues to burn more bridges with his Republican allies over the last few months. A lot of Republicans are very upset at him. You know, the pro-liberty Republicans and others are very upset at him. There's a lot of division within the party now, I think. Um, and I've heard from people, high-ranking people who don't have anything against Nunu personally, straight up tell me he has no principles. Um, and I was surprised when I heard that because I thought he had some principles of supporting freedom in some ways. And someone told me he was very familiar with him, said, you know, I like him, but he just has no principles. He's a Democrat, Republican, whatever it takes, you know? I think so he's he genuinely popular amongst the Democrats and independents who voted for him. I think they genuinely approve of him, but I don't think the Republicans do. I just want to know, like, when the governor is confronted with, we don't mind what you're doing, but there's a constitution and a legislature, what can they possibly answer to that? The answer is he got a delegation of authority from prior statute and he's acting pursuant to that delegation of authority. That's his answer. Okay. Yep, now, those it. of you who know the emergency laws in New Hampshire, are they written open-ended as far as time? Yes. Yeah. You have to renew it every few days, right? 21 days, 21 days. renew it, but the governor can do it on his own, you know, whatever he wants to do for an unlimited amount of time. That's crazy. Until someone steps in. Until someone, but he, can he veto that concurrent resolution? Correct. That's the only check. No, but resolutions can't be vetoed, can they? No, the concurrent resolution cannot. But does the two thirds? Nope. It's, it's, a, it's a simple majority, but it cannot be vetoed. It can't be vetoed, but does it have the force of law or does it? Yes. So yeah, it, if you pass a resolution, it's over. He, it, the, the state of emergency necessarily ends. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, do you have a citation to the New Hampshire Constitution for that? The Constitution. Constitution doesn't say anything about a state of is, emergency. Is that in the statute that, that grants right. them the authority? Yeah, RSA 445 to 447 are our state of emergency laws. Okay. Right. That's 4 colon 45. And yeah, sorry. 4 colon. 
four colon 45 dash seven you said yeah 45 two 47 so sorry <laughs> four colon 45 through four colon 47 gotcha so I'm, I'm assuming that just like with the Patriot Act, you guys are going to really want to look at changing that whole statute, but that a governor can veto. Correct. Right. We've been working on that for months. Um, Mike, are you, have you been working on that? I've got, uh, well, I, I started out, I want to repeal the whole thing, frankly. Um, we put that in too. I put in a repeal. So the four colon 46 has to do with all kinds of terrible taking of property. And that is uh, authorized by the governor and executive council. Um, I looked at just repealing that, but it's got attachments elsewhere in the statutes. It gets kind of complicated because of the other things are referring back to it. So what I did was put in uh, essentially a, a roadblock for that, which would require both the Senate and the House to approve those takings by two thirds majorities. Why so, is there currently asset forfeiture in the emergency powers laws? It's not um, a asset forfeiture. It's takings for you know, <laughs> the, the, it's takings for the the government good. If it's you know uh, your your bridge, I don't know if you own your own private bridge, they can take your bridge because we need to tra transport stuff across it. We can take your factory because it makes ventilators. Um, it, it's got all all kinds of horrible things in it. Right. It, 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 they tried repealing it one other time before. And the argument that was given was, let's say we're all just dropping like flies and the bodies are just piling up. Well, we have to seize the refrigerator truck from the grocery store to be able to transport the bodies. I argue that if we were truly in that kind of circumstance, I think they would just hand over the truck. And and part of the statute also speaks to seizing the bodies also. So. And pre 9-11, there were no emergency statutes? None. We've no. never had a state of emergency in New Hampshire. Oh. Okay. And well, do you guys talk to legislators from around the country comparing what you have, what they have, et cetera? I do not so much, uh, although I'm getting more involved with the Young Americans for Liberty, and they've got uh, a lot of folks that they're supporting around uh, around the country. Uh, in fact, they'll be, uh, we'll have a, a little uh, get together in New Hampshire coming up uh, in a little bit. So uh, there are there are organizations that do have legislators meeting others, but I think they generally tend to be more of the statist variety, like uh, let's get together and see if we can implement the same draconian garbage all over around the country. But the Hazlitt Coalition is, is on top of this? They're, they're working uh, on... The Hazlitt uh, Coalition is uh, uh, associated with the Young Americans for Liberty and, and they're, they're the good guys. So uh, they're not like, uh, there's a National Council of State Legislators. There's ALEC. Um, I'm not sure, uh, American, I don't know, uh, but I don't, I don't get involved with them. They are supposedly good guys, some of them, but you know, generally they're more status than uh, freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to, I want to share the reaction that was published to your resolution, which is what actually got me so upset about this whole thing. This was what was quoted. I guess it was the New Hampshire journal yesterday or something. Quote, and this is from Stepanek and Hunter. That's Tucker, Tucker. 
Tucker. And they are like, one of them is the leader of the New Hampshire GOP, I believe. Chairman and vice chairman of NHU. Chairman and vice chairman. Okay, so this is what they said. Granite staters elected Republican majorities to our state government in order to cut taxes, expand educational opportunity, and control spending. New Hampshire overwhelmingly approves of the job Governor Chris Sununu has done in mitigating the effects of COVID-19. The New Hampshire GOP has always and will continue to stand with Governor Sununu and his team as he fights for granted staters during this global pandemic. Talk of impeachment is a severe obfuscation of the reasons Granite Staters elected Republicans on November 3rd, and these House members seeking headlines will look foolish when this effort falls flat before it even gets off the ground. Now, I'm assuming there's still one or two people in the country who don't read Liberty Block articles, but this caused us to write our answer, which is A, what I said before, we're not upset about what, what he's doing as much as we're upset about how he's doing it. Second of all, we don't understand. You guys elected a legislature to cut taxes, expand educational opportunity and control spending and everything else you acceded to the governor. Now, I actually- <laughs> Yeah, why'd you do that? <laughs> I took a look at your list of um, standing committees and out of the 24, I think they're all gonna be disbanded because you didn't elect Republicans to deal with those issues. You're giving all of those to the governor. I was frankly astounded by this statement, I thought they would just say, look, you're a bunch of rabble rousers. It's not going to happen. And to say we stand by him no matter what, I, I think they went way too far in that. We stand by Sununu no matter what he does, even if he rounds you up into cattle cars, we stand with Sununu. What a dumb statement. What a dumb statement to well, say they that. Back yourself into a corner. He's the yeah. golden goose, you guys. He's the golden goose. So, um, I, I mean, I fully expected this answer. It was, it's really hilarious, though, that they pointed out just those couple little topics. And apparently that is all we are allowed to do. Now we can do those things too. I'm just saying we can also hold our governor accountable to the constitution at the same time. Right. Well, we, we, we take an oath to the constitution. We do not take an oath to the party and Stepanek and Tucker, they have, you know, they work for the party. They, they are not elected by the people. Um, so they have a different agenda than we do. But we apparently have... you weren't elected by the people to handle most of these issues either. Your no. job is just those three and that's it. Well, You're relying on his popularity again to guide their statement. Um, but again, I go back to the popularity thing because again, I don't believe it, number one. Number two, fear is a powerful weapon and yeah. you make people afraid of their freedom, they will cling to their leader out of fear and, and be afraid of their, and, and embrace their servitude. That's not a mark of a great leader. So Ed is our uh, historian as far as how America was founded. And I, my understanding is that the founders believed that all three branches would zealously or jealously hold on to their own powers and each one's ambition would balance the others, which clearly isn't happening nationally and not happening in New Hampshire. Why do legislatures want to give up their power to another branch of government? Why doesn't everybody agree to this? Ed, am I correct about that part? Uh, well, 
you're correct that that's what the founders thought, although I don't know about the, the founder, the framers of the New Hampshire Constitution. Um, I think the answer to your question is a pretty simple one. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be held responsible. So if there's a, if there's a crisis and they can punt the ball over to the executive or they can punt the ball over to a court, they're more than happy to let their powers be usurped. The, the way our government was set up, the legislature was first among equals. We do have three equal branches of government. They do are all supposed to check each other, but there's no question that the legislature was supposed to be the most important branch in, in the federal system. That's why Article One is deal, deals, deals with the legislature, and um, I don't know about New Hampshire. Um, I, I'll. I, I, it looks like I interrupted either Mike or, or Melissa, but I, I once you guys are done, I had some lawyer questions I wanted to ask if we could. But go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, Ed. You can ask questions. Go ahead. Well, it looked like they, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes or inter interrupt. It looked like they had something to say. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, just preliminarily, when you gave me that citation, you guys were talking about more questions. I called up uh, 4 colon 45, and I'm looking at it admittedly on a tiny little phone. So maybe I'm not quite reading it carefully enough. And obviously I'm multitasking, but it looks to me like, nothing in the delegation allows the governor to legislate. It allows him to enforce laws and rules that already exist. Um, the closest I can see is subparagraph E of part three, which allows, allows the governor to perform and exercise such other functions, powers, and duties as are necessary to promote and secure the safety and protection of the, of the civilian population. Um, I don't see how that can possibly be construed as whatever he feels like it, because that would swallow up all the other enumerations of power in the delegation. So one possibility that I'm, I'm thinking, just looking at the statute, is he doesn't have the authority to legislate. And unless he can point to some other section of the, of the New Hampshire statutes that authorizes him to order someone to wear a mask, for any purpose, I mean, other than maybe surgeons, maybe, and I'm not even sure you'd have it for that. Uh, I don't see where he can have the authority to do that. So I'll, that'll be my first question. What, what do you guys think about that? So I, I guess I'll jump in. Um, it, it's it's very similar to, I guess, the the, Consta, the the Commerce Clause in the U.S. Constitution. It's It's taken to mean whatever they want it to mean. So the governor has taken a statute that's written in very broad language and says, ah, oh, there's the, uh, the big old hole I can drive my truck through and I'll do whatever I want until someone stops me. And there was one lawsuit earlier and Melissa probably will know more about this, but there are other uh, lawsuits making their way into the court that are going to challenge all of these orders. But these are a slow process. You've got to find an attorney that wants to pursue it. And you also have to find a, a, a good lawyer that's going to actually bring a good case and make some good precedent as opposed to just going in and, and you know, like a lot of times us poor pro se guys and I'm guilty of that, go in and, and get, you know, uh, get the, the windshield bug treatment. Um, so and set bad precedent. So there's, there's, the language is broad enough that he says, you know, I'm going to do what needs to be done. It's for, the, it's for the good of the people and carry on. Well, if he has, the, if, if you're saying 
I mean, I don't read the language that way. I mean, I understand that's his argument. And if I were your lawyer, I, I would say, well, that's his argument. I'm not going to make that argument for him. Uh, but if that, in fact, is the law, then this is really much ado about nothing. It sounds like there's nothing you can do, especially if you're telling me that he's got a 90% approval rating. I don't know if, even if that's a soft 90%, um, I believe that New Hampshire, I did some research in preparation for this call and it looks like you need a simple majority to impeach in New Hampshire, but even a simple majority, I mean, if he's got a 90 or an 85% approval rating, I don't know how you're gonna get 50% plus one on a governor that just got reelected and supposedly has pretty wide popularity. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how you're going to get there. I don't know what the standard is for impeachment. And it just, that doesn't sound like a, I mean, I, I applaud the effort. And I think that one thing our side needs to get better at is leaving no stone unturned and leaving no arrows in our quiver. We need to, to practice lawfare and, and, and fight the way the other side fights. And that means filing lawsuits. That means going through impeachment. That means having investigations. It means all of the above and all of the above strategy. Um, so, you know, maybe it would lose, but I, I mean, I think that's at least plausible. Um, I, I also think that whether, I think that there's a possible federal cause of action if you were to file in federal court under 42 USC 1983 for violation of civil and constitutional rights. Uh, also, you know, car, you know, corollary violations of the 14th amendment. Uh, again, if you're talking about the liberties of the citizens of New Hampshire being violated under color of state law. This is exactly what that is. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, as I've said on, on previous shows here, it drives me absolutely crazy that President Trump has not deputized Attorney General Barr to bring lawsuits all over this country, alleging that these lockdowns around the country violate people's constitutional rights under the 14th Amendment. Um, I don't, I, to me, that seems like a, a least a, a worthwhile cause of action to at least try. Um, but I don't, you know, again, I, you know, I'm a lawyer and, you know, I've litigated constitutional cases, but I don't know the New Hampshire ju judiciary. I don't know your particular situation, but uh, that seems like something that I would think about. I mean, I'll, you know, I have some other questions, but I'll stop taking up the floor and let you guys talk. Mike, you're an attorney. Mike is not an attorney, but Mike has gone and played in court, uh, per se. Uh, you, you played one on TV. Okay, yeah, well, I know yeah. that you guys are incredibly well um, remunerated and recompensed for your service. So I'm sure you have plenty of money to hire lawyers. You guys get, what, $100 a session, right? $100 a year, yes. A year, yeah. Okay, so there's probably not a lot of lawyers looking to do this for free. We have Dan, who does all this pro bono stuff, right? Um, I mean, well, this is why we're doing this. And he, and that's totally right. This is a matter of leaving no stone unturned. I can tell you that I've been fighting this since April. I've taken every course of action humanly possible and he hasn't even acknowledged it. So, um, and I'm not alone. I mean, there are plenty of sitting, you know, legislators that have had the same experience. So um, we got pushed to this point. This is the only way that we can, um, create any type of oversight to what's going on. Well, I think, yeah. I just want to ask my question the one other way that if he's 90% popular the way he's handling it, 
why doesn't everyone in the legislature want to get on that bandwagon? We want to be, you know, if you guys remember the Iraq war where they voted for it before they voted against it, before they voted for it, before they voted against it. The reason there was a second vote for that was everybody wanted in on it. So you would think every legislator there would say, hey, we want to be 90% popular. Let's get together in whatever coliseum and make a law. Why, why doesn't that work? Well, I think if you look at the uh, the most recent election, it was kind of unusual where we had basically a Democrat sweep for federal offices, but then almost uh, a good sweep for Republicans in the state offices. It's kind of curious the way that people think, and they don't necessarily go exactly the way you think they're going to. But nonetheless, we're we're sticking with Constitution. We're sticking with principles. And we're not just gonna slide to the side and be quiet. The, all of the issues, all of the various things we've tried in the past, as Melissa's enumerated, they've all gone on and they've essentially, a lot of stuff has gone on behind the scenes, trying to get things moving in a, in a proper direction and they haven't worked. And well, it turns out that this one actually gets some attention. So there we are, we have escalated. Uh, it may not be successful, but we certainly have drawn some attention, and if we draw a little fire at the same time, uh, so be it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not attached to the job. The hundred bucks I can live without. Right. Um, Stephen, well, you said that why don't the legislators want to do what he's doing since he's so popular? The reality yeah. is that under our current course of action, we had, we just can't. We can't. I mean, I, I keep arguing that with the other legislators. You are all non-essential currently. You, nothing of what you think you want to accomplish this year is worth anything when we are in a state of emergency. They seem to fail to understand this. This is something I cannot get through to them. Um, he can override any law. So any legislation that you pass, what is the point of it? Well, but why would he override a veto if you're giving him what he wants? Now, why aren't legislators passing a bill that says the same things the new executive order does? Why aren't they passing a bill to make the lockdowns actually formal. If, if they're so popular, why wouldn't the bill pass? Because they don't have to, because he's doing it. Well, no, I, along those lines, I, I, that's, along, that's the direction I wanted to go. If, if impeachment's not gonna work, if lawsuits aren't gonna work, another possible avenue is embarrass him through the legislative process. Pass, pass his exact executive order, make him sign it, okay? Or better yet, how about pass, how about pass a statute or pass a bill that says, in the interests of this emergency, all executive branch officials, including the governor, must wear a mask at all times, all times, and make him either defend that by signing it or make him explain why he should veto it and not have it apply to him. Right. Or, um, you know, you can, off, you know, or how about have, you know, offer uh, legislation that uh, that deputizes inspectors to go into everybody's home to inspect if you're wearing a mask. Okay. I know that's not a liberty thing. I'm not for that. My point is make him either veto that law or make him defend it and sign it. I mean, if he's if you can't get action, the you know, through the courts or through through impeachment, use the legislative process, embarrass him, use the legislative process to to use the power of the purse. I mean, you need to be creative is what I mean, you're saying that you're in a bad spot, that the courts aren't going to help you. That impeachment, it looks like a long shot. Okay, so as I said, we got to use an all the above strategy and we need to be creative and come up with different ideas. And 
you know, one another idea is embarrass him and you make him come out and either have to veto bills that he theoretically should be for or make him sign them and let him own them and then come after him for raising people's taxes, for authorizing people to search your home for for whatever it is. I mean, if he's all for masks, let's let's put him to the test. Let's see what he's you know, let him put his money where his mouth is. And you know what? If if Democrats are so on board with this. You don't need many Republicans to pass it, right? The legislature is almost 50-50. You don't, the Republicans don't have to go out on a limb on this one. Right. So you just reminded me of one of the big reasons that this is still going on and it continues because of the money. Because if we end this state of emergency, the funnel from Washington of all the money that's coming this way gets shut off. That's the big thing. Frankly, right now, Donald Trump should probably end the, the federal state of emergency, shut off the funds, and we will be very quick to follow. Unfortunately, that's you know outside of my league, but certainly money is an issue here. And in our first year of this term, we put together a budget, and obviously that's going to be a big issue. And it's really hard to do these things if you're not actually in session and not actually able to meet. So. We're going into a new budget year with, so far, it looks like an inability to actually have hearings and get our committees together. So things are looking a little ugly as we start out the new year. Do you guys have the power to convene a session whenever you want? How does that work? There is a process. Um, but we will be we will be coming into session uh, in January, and uh, it's going to challenge when we're rewriting these state of emergency laws because I think we have like forty some odd bills going in that are <laughs> in regards to the state of emergency laws. Um, but it's it's a challenge. Like, how do you vote to end the state of emergency when you're not in session? But how are emergency sessions called? By the speaker or by the governor or by a by vote? Speaker. So that was uh, an issue last session was that the speaker would not call them into session. Okay. Yeah, there is a, a process for calling us into. Uh, into Didn't someone session. say Andy Prout called the special session or something um, a few months ago? I don't think so. Someone just told me Prout tried a resolution to end the emergency. Oh, that's different. He, that wasn't in a special session. That was in okay. a session. He did attempt a not a concurrent resolution, a joint resolution. And it wouldn't have ended the state of emergency. It was a compromise bill because we were in the minority. So um, it was to um, keep the state of emergency, but remove the governor from his unlimited authority. So we keep the money flowing, but the money is now in the hands of the legislature and all the rulemaking is in the hands of the legislator. And that. Mike, what are we talking about money-wise? What are you actually getting from the feds? Oh. Like a billion. A lot. A billion? How much? Billion? No, how much? Seriously, Mike. Do you know how much we got? I don't know. I'm not on finance. I do not know what the- There was the big lawsuit. The Democrats sued, wasn't it? 1.25 billion or something? That was initially, but there's been more since then, so I don't know. So over a billion, right? And who gets that money? The legislature or, or private parties or who gets that money? Well, that's maybe going to be part of our impeachment. Well, the governor or the legislature, but there was a lawsuit because the Democrats wanted it. Mike, I'm sure one of you understands that. Yeah, it's it gets complicated. I don't know what the what the money is, but the, essentially the governor has control over the governor and council. They meet and distribute the money where they find the urgencies that uh, fit the the 
funding requirements by the that are passed down from the feds. Mike, for those of us who don't yet merit living where you do, can you give us a brief overview of what this council is, since it doesn't exist in most places? Ah, ah yes, we we um, we have a governor and executive council. The executive council is five members. Um, each one has a district throughout the uh, the the state. The executive council essentially. Um, ratifies with the governor uh, contracts that are you know, spending uh, state funds. That's their primary issue, you know, duty is uh, looking through contracts and approving them or not approving them. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, they also do uh, confirmations of judges and, and that sort of thing. So they work with the, uh, with the governor. We don't have a lieutenant governor. You could no. almost sort of think about the executive council is being like a lieutenant governor in a way. Yeah, so about the money, so the state budget annually is around 6 billion in New Hampshire. If we got one or 2 billion from the feds, that's tremendous. That's maybe almost 20% or more of our budget. So again, on on one hand, Sununu is, thinks he's being a great statesman by helping us recover 20% of our state annual budget because COVID screwed us with tax revenue maybe and it hurt all of us. So he thinks he's being a good guy for his state by getting a billion dollars that the feds are throwing out there anyway, hand over fist. But, you know, like you said, that requires him to keep the state of emergency of tyranny in place. So it's a double-edged sword. We're in a bind. I keep calling this, this is the Hail Mary. No, I think it's a fantastic thing. I, we're 100% in favor because you gotta get noticed. I think it's so sad that like you're saying, you, that's the only way to get noticed. I mean, you're saying reopen New Hampshire is, is out there for months and months and just being totally ignored, correct? I mean, we've had mild effects. Um, we've had some wins um, with different you know, town mass mandates that we've just you know, defeated and, and we did get the beaches reopened and um, that sort of thing. But as far as ending the state of emergency, which is our ultimate goal, no, we have not had any, um, any success there whatsoever. Um, I can't believe, I, I, sometimes I sit back and I think, I can't believe I'm still doing this. <laughs> And does anybody ever say that there is an end point? I know that that number keeps moving, yeah. but no one will say when- As soon as the average cases gets below like three per week, which is never gonna happen ever for the rest of humanity. So there is a number though. Oh, no, I don't know. No, I'm just, I'm no just there's no number. Um, I don't, I think they're waiting for a vaccine. Um, I don't know what kind of path we go down with that then, but I think he's waiting for a vaccine and he's waiting for, I think I've heard things from his office that maybe this summer. Or quite possibly when the money stops. Well, I think if the money train stopped today, that timeline would get moved up. Mm -hmm. But we haven't, that's part of the problem here. We would love to sit down with him and have a discussion about an exit strategy, but there is no exit strategy and there is no ability to even discuss that with him. I know that people have, um, and they've just been ignored. Well, that's why I said earlier, you're going to have to fight dirty. You're going to have to come up with creative, unconventional ways of dealing with it. If he's not listening and lawsuits aren't working and impeachment's not going to work, either you just throw your hands up and say, we're stuck, or you're going to have to do things that are a little outside the box. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what they are. I mean, you know, I only got, you know, noticed that you guys were coming on less than 
you know, 45 minutes or an hour before you came on. So I haven't given it a ton of thought, but, um, Not that I any know ideas, that, let us know. Well, <laughs> I, I've already tried a, a few. I mean, yep. if I think of any others, there, um, there is a group that's, uh, taken to uh, protesting at the governor's house over the past weekend. And I guess they're going to continue. It's far from popular, but uh, certainly uh, irritates uh, the establishment terribly. Yeah, I was going to segue into that because that's one of the questions we wanted to discuss today in New Hampshire and in other states. I know Mike has apparently gotten involved in discussing this issue. Um, what, what did Newt Gingrich say? We're, they're playing football, we're playing badminton, and we want to be the good guys, and we don't want to cross these boundaries. Obviously, we don't want to burn cities down, but at what point do we have to start playing football? Listen, I, I'm all for going Alinsky, you know, <laughs> as much as possible. You know, ri ridicule is one of the big weapons in that arsenal, and maybe that's one thing you need to do with, as far as Sununu is concerned. But. Maybe. As uh, Steve mentioned, yeah, there there have been some issues here in New Jersey. You know, our governor was kind of um, accosted, I guess, for lack of a better. <laughs> well, he was sitting at dinner with his family, and a couple of women went up to him and started cursing out and calling him some bad words. And so, you know, the question I have is, you know, what what tactics are we okay with? But you know, we can maybe pick on up on that later. I don't know. But yeah, reopen is odd to make a lot of decisions um, about what we're okay with and what we're not okay with. Um, I think we've made the right decisions because we are seen now as a legitimate political organization, um, not just a bunch of crazies. Um, we made a firm stance against protesting at his house. He does not live at a governor's mansion. So this is not a publicly owned building. Um, and first of all, it's just not good optics. Not, I don't even just mean because it, it literally doesn't look good. Like when you look at the protester, it looks like they're just standing in a field. Um, at least when you're at the state house, you have the state house behind you. Like it, it has a powerful presence. This is just like a regular house on a street. Um, so it doesn't look good. I, I don't, um, think it's appropriate to be at a truly private residence, not a governor's mansion that's usually amongst other govern government buildings and such. Okay, I'm going to take this opportunity to share Article 10. Mike, oh. I, it sounds like you guys are very familiar with it. Yeah, are. This was ratified in 1784. Article 10, right of revolution. Government being instituted for the common benefit, protection, and security of the whole community and not for the private interest or emolument of any one man, family, or class of men. Therefore, whenever the ends of government are perverted and public liberty manifestly endangered and all other means of redress are ineffectual, the people may and of right ought to reform the old or establish a new government the doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary, arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. I can't even read that enough times to, to say that is unbelievable with that. And, and doesn't that speak to where Ed suggests we are headed? The doctrine of non-resistance, that, that is... You guys have an amazing constitution. Yeah, yeah, that's a. I think we're, we're the only people with the right to revolution. What's that? 
we are the only state with the right Maybe. to revolution. <laughs> That, that is just an amazing clause. And I mean, the, the United States Constitution says, not the Constitution, the Declaration says, maybe you should rebel once in a while, but this is an amazing, an amazing clause. And but again, it's not that bad, so we shouldn't revolt. It's not that bad. I just read what it's not that bad. I just think that the most important phrase to me in that in that article is not the right to revolution, but that the right to revolution depends upon there being no other means of redress. And that's the real question here. And that's why I keep saying, if he won't listen to you, if he won't, uh, you know, won't have, you know, get into legislative session with you guys, if he won't budge at all on the, on the emergency, if the courts won't help you, if you've tried every other Avenue, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's time for revolution, but you know, I'm certainly not going to go and object to somebody going to his private residence. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise someone to do that. I wouldn't say that's the best first step. Um, but as far as optics go, to me, the optics are we've got a, a dictatorial governor who's insisting that his word is God and and that we all have to follow him regardless, uh, you know, regardless of what he says or, you know, where he thinks is getting his authority. So if, if he thinks if he thinks he can do whatever he wants based on, you know, as Mike said earlier, you know, that uh you know, that section of, of four colon 45 that allows him to drive a truck through and, and do whatever he wants. Well, I mean, then he can't really object when people in response do whatever they want. Um, again, I don't advocate that. And I think that the, the key language in article 10 that Stephen just read is when, you know, no, when all, no other avenues of redress are available. And right. there was one case, um, uh, back in the Occupy Wall Street days, uh, there was a New Hampshire version of that that attempted to, quote, invoke Article 10. Um, and there was a court case that went to the Supreme Court, apparently. Um, I haven't read it in detail, but um, I did find it at one point. I should try to find it again. Uh, and ultimately, the Supreme Court decided that they had not fully uh, gone to the extent of go, going through all of their redress of grievances. This isn't something the court is going to. <laughs> well, not, obviously, this, it's, it's not going to be done that way. It's going to be done, you know, on the battlefield. Um, right. But yeah, the, the one thing I just keep thinking of is is we need to fight back. People keep saying, and I said sarcastically before, it's not that bad yet. People keep saying it's not that bad. And you know what? My my grandfather's father said in Austria in 1930, it's not that bad. 1931, it's not that bad. Guess what? They left before it got that bad. If you wait until you're dead, it's too late to fight back. If you wait until you're on cattle cars, it's also pretty much too late to fight back um, unless you can claw your way out of a cattle car and kill the Nazis driving it. So wait, you know, you need to fight before you're in a cattle car. You need to fight before you're disarmed because the Nazis disarmed them before that. You need to fight earlier. You can't wait till you're down 20 nothing in the fourth quarter to start playing. You need to play the game before it gets Wait a minute. Uh, Excuse me. That was a football metaphor and we're playing badminton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike and Melissa, I assume you approached more than seven people to sign up with this, correct? No, it was a pretty tight list for this sort of operation. Um, we didn't want to expose too many people to the possibilities of um, retribution. <laughs> okay, so you guys took it upon yourselves to, uh, what's the wording in the declaration, Ed, about our sacred honor and all that stuff? Uh, we, our fortunes, our sacred honor. Right, we pledge our, uh, yeah, I forget how, how it ends, but we pledge our fortunes and our sacred honor. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I thought about that. I don't know if you felt that way, Mike, but we all had a meeting on Saturday about this. And uh, I felt I, I, I was saying that in my head. I felt like that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always say something. I don't know that the founders realized how cool they were. But one of my <laughs> issues with New Hampshire is I don't know that New Hampshire legislators and common people realize how important your battle is to everybody else as well that you think it's just New Hampshire you're fighting for. And I look at it as you're fighting, as Daniel Harwoods keeps saying, to save any place. So your fight is my fight. And I think sometimes it's easy for you to lose your sense of how important this is because you're just in New Hampshire. But you, I really believe you're fighting for the whole country. So now, Jody, do you want to represent Michigan at all, which is a slightly the same and slightly different? Uh-oh. Still muted. Is this me? Jody's muted. Yeah, sorry. I have to unmute. Mute and unmute because I've got dogs and kids yeah. that come in and out. Are um, the dogs wearing masks? <laughs> of course. By the I way, understand. we all are at 10 people in this meeting. So even though it's Zoom, technically, just don't tell Governor Newsom. Just thumbs down. <laughs> My dogs know how to keep social distance. You know, they're always six feet apart from us. It's, it's all good. We're very smart here. Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 I am been following it closely enough to be a good voice on it. Um, I certainly hope it's successful. I just, I'm not really optimistic, I guess, at this point. But Whitmer is not as popular as Sanudu, right? Oh, no. Well, I haven't checked in a while, but yes, she was. She has been. I mean, I call her, I mean, she's the Wicked Witch of the West. The Let Jersey me just book. say, I'm in Michigan right now. Everyone I know, well, most people I know strongly dislike her. I'm in a very uh, Trump-friendly re Republican area where I grew up. Um, but I was surprised early on, even she's had, she's had some pretty strong support here. It's, it's like Melissa said, people are fearful and they look to that leader who, you know, in their time of fear, what are you doing for me? She certainly has that, you know, oh, I'm doing all this to save you from COVID and people just buy it because they're afraid. And, you know, she, I, I'll have to look and see what's the latest. Maybe she's gone down a little bit, but. Uh, I, I followed Michigan quite a bit. Um, I mean, your legislators have been fighting back since the beginning, yeah. actually, um, before anybody. I, I mean, I've been saying, well, we're doing this. Where are all the rest of the state legislators? Why are they fighting mm -hmm. back? But Michigan has been. And I swear they are not going to be able to get her out of there except in handcuffs. I do think she I think she's. Uh, uh, for lack of finding a better word, she's got like that evil tendency in my my vibe with her is that she would really not hesitate a ton to do really bad things for the sake of her own power. Oh, yeah. And I just, that's my sense of her. And I think you probably are right. And when we talk about fighting back, I assume everybody's heard the story in upstate New York where the sheriffs came to a gym. There was a meeting of local business people and they threw the sheriffs off. Get off my land. And I know Ed has mentioned it before and others, this idea of civil disobedience. Again, is that going to catch on? I have no idea, but it seems that people need to do something. And luckily, no one got hurt in that affair. No one even touched a weapon, et cetera, et cetera. But we got to do something. 
I find it interesting, you know, I, I don't want to stray too far off course here, but the, the I've seen some recent videos from uh, Germany and there are massive, massive protests out in the street in, in really amazing um, defiance of, of the government. Uh, I wish America still had that spirit, but apparently it, it shifted back to, uh, to Europe. So, um, I guess maybe it's just a matter of time. Uh, if we uh, if we get enough crackdown, people will finally break and and really uh, start resisting. I mean, it's fascinating. Oh. Beverly Hills apparently voted for Trump. <laughs> well, really? yes, the the pre, the Beverly Hills polling place was voted for Trump, which is incredible. Wow. Um. I, I, go ahead, wow. Melissa. I I mean, they didn't. Um. I guess feel like they needed to cheat in California, huh? No, exactly. They didn't. That's part of the point. Why would they? Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, I thought we were going to spend time talking about that whole aspect of the election now. I don't know if we have time, but um, I, I don't I think I think we all think that there was some cheating that went on, but probably a lot of cheating. Uh, but I, I think that it's important to not overlook uh, non-fraud reasons why Trump might have lost. Um, and just relating it back to what was said just a minute ago, I think by Melissa uh, about Whitmer not not leaving, not relinquishing power unless she's led away in handcuffs. Uh, I'll repeat for, for Melissa and Mike what I've said on this show previously. Where is Attorney General Barr? Where is President Trump to enforce the 14th Amendment and enforce our civil rights? If he needs to arrest these people and perp walk them out, why hasn't he? I mean, not just during the campaign, not only I'm not only questioning his campaign strategy, but tomorrow is Thanksgiving. We're recording this on, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We've got governors all over the country that are trying to cancel Thanksgiving. Where in God's name is President Trump? Why didn't President Trump say, I heard what Governor Cuomo said. I heard what Governor Whitmer said and Newsom and all the rest of them. Here's what my answer is. This is America. And as long as I'm president, you are going to get to celebrate Thanksgiving with your family, with your grandma, with your grandpa, with whoever wants to come to your house, in your home, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, in your living room. And when somebody else is president, that person may have a different point of view. But when I'm president, you are going to have the right to celebrate Thanksgiving. And I am putting all law local law enforcement on notice. If you try and enforce any of these unconstitutional laws, I am authorizing and ordering my Department of Justice and the FBI to arrest you and prosecute you for violating the constitutional rights of every American. And where is he? Why isn't he saying anything? Why didn't he say anything like that during the campaign? Why didn't he say that over the summer when our cities were being looted and burned? Why doesn't he say it now? And, you know, yes, the people have to rise up. Um, but, you know, President Trump was sent there to lead and lead on this kind of issue. He was supposed to push back on this and he's he's missing in action, you know, and, you know, there's a lot I wanted to say about about him missing in action. I mean, we've got Georgia sent off Senate races that are going going forward. He has not said a word about them. We're more than a third of the way in to the runoff period. And I haven't heard a word from President Trump, even while he's his his legal strategy is depressing Republican turnout, telling Republican voters their vote doesn't matter telling Republican voters that even if they vote, their vote won't get counted. And, and we've got Democrats like Andrew Yang and, and others 
encouraging people to, to move to Georgia and, and register to vote and vote. The Democrats are energized and the Republicans can't get their heads out of their butts and, and we're going to lose. We're, we're getting we're being run around in circles and we need we need to fight and we need to we need somebody to take. We need the president to do something. And, you know, I had a lot to say about that. I'll, I'll you know, let you guys jump in. Well, I think we could do an entire episode on a postmortem of what went wrong. I think that could consume an entire yeah. hour and I would actually enjoy it. And something that I mentioned that I wanted that I wanted to talk about. Melissa, you have to go. go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining, Melissa. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, you should. Otherwise. Bye-bye. Happy Thanksgiving. So, so, Ed, you mentioned um, the local law enforcement, and and obviously I I haven't, you know, said anything negative about police in a while. So, you know, I have that itch, of course. It's been like years since I have. But local police, yeah, yeah. Local police, we see a lot are are enforcing these lockdown restrictions and, and um, restrictions on assembly of more than five, 10 people, and some law enforcement are not enforcing them. And there's a dichotomy, I don't know what percentage are or are not enforcing them. Um, some sheriffs have already said pretty vocally that they will, they will not enforce these ridiculous, unconstitutional, unscientific, tyrannical executive orders, um, and some police are enforcing them. So we can do a whole hour-long episode with all of you um, and war guests about is it incumbent upon police to have responsibility to take it upon themselves to not um, enforce unconstitutional immoral laws or not even laws, executive orders? Um, should they enforce them? Should they not enforce them? Should they quit? Should they go and arrest the actual governor who does these executive orders? Uh, I don't know if Mike, Sylvia, if you have any thoughts on that, on what should police do with these orders? It's been very interesting because actually law enforcement doesn't want to get too involved with people at this point. They the, the jails are essentially locked down, which the, the courts are essentially shut. So speedy trials have gone, uh, you know, nine months by my watch. So it's a bit of a mess. And so they don't really want, they're not going around picking up people on warrants. They're doing everything they can to avoid doing that because they are fearful of putting people in, in the jails and having an, an outbreak that they have to deal with. So the, it, the whole the whole system, you know, law enforcement you know, is is another topic that's you know, you you could cover another hour there too. In New Jersey, but, they're letting them out of prison. So. Yeah, <laughs> they need yeah. room to put the law-abiding people like us in there. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, Cuomo just blasted law enforcement because some uh, of the yeah. people in New York State said they won't enforce this. And he said, they're not law enforcement officials. They're, I mean, he really ripped into them. Now, again, I always thought the Constitution was in a language that's easily understandable. So it yeah, was until we had an education system that educated it out of us, the ability mm-hmm. to read. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't want to mention in someone's absence, but not everybody on this call attended public schools. And we'll leave it at that. And some of those people are very, very intelligent and well-spoken. And I noticed that one of your three mandates, Mike, is to expand educational opportunities. I assume that includes homeschooling. Yes, that is one of the things that the Republicans are working on, uh, whether it's charter schools or homeschooling. Uh, we have a very good uh Commissioner of Education, uh, who ran for governor and uh, would have been a fabulous governor. Maybe he'll be uh, coming up next for us. Uh, so yes, we we do need to fix the uh, education system, uh, terribly broken, and and uh, the the poor children that are are going through this now are being absolutely brainwashed. Um, I saw 
yesterday, I, I go running, I'm a runner. So I was coming up the street, there was road work going on, there were cars stopped. And as I passed the cars next to me, uh, there on my, uh, I was on their passenger side and there was, as I came up, uh, an SUV with a mom and a daughter, maybe a, a 10 year old daughter, both wearing fresh new paper masks. And I looked over and, and nodded as I do, you know, I run and I, I do my campaigning while I'm running. So uh, you always say hi to people. And the little girl looked, you know, through her mask, obviously you can't see her face and she whips me a thumbs up. And I, I had to take a second to think about what it was, you know, is she a runners, you know, with a, a friend that's out running, you know, or was it, it, it I took it as, you know, a bird in a cage. Uh, this poor child is, is locked in there, masked up and not free to go out and run. And of course I was running without a mask. So it was very, um, a strange little moment for me. It was, it kind of sets this whole lockdown thing and the whole COVID thing in, in uh, a weird, you know, surreal sort of um, light. Well, Mike, let me let me throw something at you. I mean, in the interest of, you know, if I have any ideas, throw them at you. You know, you're talking about, you know, education reform and, and reining in the governor on this. Here's a here's an example. And, I, and I've offered this, you know, earlier on the show, uh, you know, on prior episodes. The teachers unions are out on a limb right now. Why not? Why not say, oh, you think that we need to close schools? Let's close the schools. Let's cut the funding and cut people's property taxes or cut whatever tax you use in New Hampshire to fund the schools, give that money back to parents, let parents hire tutors, let parents send their kids to some other private school, cut the taxes, close the schools and tell the teachers unions to pound sand. We don't need you. Schools don't need to be open and let governor Sununu explain why he either vetoes that bill or signs it, put him on the defensive, make him answer. And, and at the same time, that's a good positive reform. If we can get our kids out of those brainwashing mills, all the better. And, and you can fold other things into that kind of reform. But, you know, that they're shutting our schools down. We should view that as an opportunity. Great. You're right, guys. We don't need you. And we don't need the teachers unions either. Go home. Stay home. Your yeah, thoughts. That's absolutely, you know, if there was a bright side to this, this whole mess is that, people have had their kids at home and they've been turning to homeschooling a lot of them. So maybe, you know, that will stick. Um, and maybe Cut their taxes and see if more of them won't. <laughs> well, that would be a certainly a benefit and we can push that because yeah, we do have property taxes that are, uh, that uh, are, are funding the schools and it's, it's, it hurts a lot of the, uh, the seniors here. So that's the biggest complaint. They want to add a, a sales tax to relieve the property taxes, but uh, someone there is uh, in New Jersey. <laughs> I was from Rhode <laughs> Island. Uh, you know, Connecticut did the same thing. They, oh, we're going to add a sales tax so your property taxes go down. Yeah, well, nothing goes down. Tax in New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I could talk all day about that, but it's highway robbery. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, since it is uh, the eve of Thanksgiving, we're going to uh, start to close out the show. Mike, we're really honored to have you here. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? What can we do for you guys? 
Well, uh, just uh, you know, keep the support coming. Um, keep keep it in the news. Uh, put some pressure on the governor to uh, maybe uh, make some sort of uh, compromise. Um, we we need to just keep pushing. We can't just sit back and accept this. We've got to you know let let people know that you know they're being propagandized. They they just are are being fed a stream of absolute nonsense and they believe it and fear is taking hold and it's permanently damaging the youth of this country so uh, we need to stop it and everything we can do we're going to do it from a legal perspective i know you only play a lawyer on tv mike but who exactly in new hampshire government is tasked with changing over the money that comes into the state from the feds from the chinese money into american money Ah, that's over my head. I'm sorry. Okay, I just wonder who, who buys dollars with the Chinese money. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Joey, you want to say anything to us about before we leave for Thanksgiving? I would uh, wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And I hope you gather with as many people that, uh, in your family that uh, you can muster and uh, enjoy it and actually have uh, some real human contact because we all need it. I saw a great article about that today, but basically you're saying you're a super spreader. Please do. Yep. <laughs> I, I attend every super spreader event I can get to. And you're still alive. Uh, somehow. I think I am. Maybe I'm one of the zombies and everybody else is normal. Yeah. Okay. Mike, you want to say anything to us? Proto. The floor is yours, Mike. Mike Proto. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just wanted to maybe respond quickly to one thing Ed was saying. I, I, don't, I don't know if the legislature, legislatures don't want the accountability. I, you know, maybe there is some of that. When I look at New Jersey, a, a one-party state, I, I think they agree with the governor. They're happy to see the, the lockdowns and the restrictions. So, you know, especially, again, I think Murphy polls really high here in New Jersey, too. It might be upwards of 90% approval. So... I think part of the problem is not so much the fear aspect. I think that does come into play at this point as well. But let's face it, we have a lot of people that want to be taken care of by the government. Mm -hmm. And there are governors more than willing to do it. So when I see Gavin Newsom caught going out to dinner, I, I don't see a hypocrite. I see a guy who says, well, this is what everybody else wants. This is what the, the, the people want. And I'm going to give it to them. And I don't really think it's a big deal. I'm not afraid of it. So I'm going to go out to dinner. What do I care? I think the problem is is the people. I, you know, it's it's not necessarily the governors. I mean, I mean, it, it is. It's not to say it isn't totally, but I mean, we have to look at ourselves. I agree. We should be Americans again. Yeah, I mean, I think you know our value system is reversed for a lot of it's people. It's a famous quote, right? People always get the government they deserve. Mm -hmm. Well, we deserve I was thinking this. we can take all the Trump hats. And just add two letters, make Americans great again. There you go. I, I did have one question about New Hampshire. I'm, uh, I'm confused as to how you end up with a Republican legislature and you didn't vote for Trump in New Hampshire. So what's, what's the story there? <laughs> that is a, a very curious thing. We, I guess, are very independent thinkers and... Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the, we, we, we have seen enough of the recount ballots to confirm that that actually happened. Yeah. Um, you don't have Dominion software up there? Uh, no, we, get, we have really old uh, 
ACU readers or something. And, and this uh, is how it always goes, actually. Um, the legislature and the governor kind of goes back and forth. It's it's generally pretty Republican, but on federal for Congress and us, U.S. Senate, it's always Democrat. It's always been like this. And like yeah, you, you, said, you said very independent minded people. The Senate. How exactly. And that's why I don't mind if we send Shaheen to, to, to D.C., let her go to D.C. and do what she does. I would much rather have Republicans in the state controlling the state and send the Democrats to D.C. I'm going to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I have to head out. Um, our party begins the day before, so. Yes. Happy <laughs> Thank you for joining us again, Joe. I'm going to yes. start partying, too. Yeah. Thanks for joining have us. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, I'll talk to you later. Can I have my closing statement now? Ed, I promise I'll keep it under an hour. Okay, Alu, then we'll give Ed the latest. We'll All right. The last word before Thanksgiving. I'll finish before Christmas. Um, the well, few things I was going to say is like Mike mentioned earlier, and I said this to a friend earlier. Um, it's an EMT from New York, I think, and I'm sure he's going to come back at me with a, a nasty comment because he said anyone who gathers this Thanksgiving is like evil. You're a super spreader. You're killing people. I'm going to clean up your masks. I'm an EMT, um, whatever. So I commented, listen, um, and I've said this before, if this is really the super duper ultra Ebola SARS AIDS, which is what they are saying it is, and it's been around for a year, it should have killed all 7 billion people on earth already. By virtue of the fact that it has not yet killed 100% of people on earth, it means that clearly it is not super duper ultra severe Ebola SARS AIDS. It's, it's just not, the COVID is not that as severe as that. Um, it, it's, we've had a few hundred million infections or whatever, and only a few deaths, a few thousand throughout the whole uh, world deaths that were actually COVID and not like motorcycle accidents or, or uh, MI, CBA. Um, so very few deaths. So the mortality is under 1%, maybe under 0.001%. Um, the other thing that, that I just want to say is, like I said before, I want to reiterate because it's so important. Now is the time to fight. New Hampshire, this is your battle. This is the possibly the last state in the US, meaning the last state on earth, like Reagan alluded to. This is the time to fight. Not wait until we're in cattle cars and then do a post-mortem of, oh, we should have fought. Oh, well, what was me? It's over now. I'll uh, hail Hitler and go to the gas chambers as we die. When you're in the gas chamber naked without weapons, it is too late to fight. You have to fight before it is too late to fight. That, and that's what I want to say. That's the most important thing. And that's why we salute Mike and Melissa. Ed? All right. Well, let me start off by wishing everybody here and everybody listening a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we're almost six months into this podcast um, and it's been a, a fun ride and I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed every podcast we've done. I've enjoyed all of our interactions, both on air and off. Um, I have a, a lot of thoughts. I alluded to some of them uh, earlier in the show, but we dedicated this show to New Hampshire at the last minute, which is fine and great. Um, I will just, I'll, I'll try and limit myself a little bit. Um, I think we touched upon the need for civil disobedience Steve, you gave a couple of examples of, of civil disobedience. Um, and I've mentioned that on pre prior shows. I do think that's exactly what's necessary right now. Um, I don't think it's just in terms of uh, standing up to, to the health administration or, uh, or the sheriff's office coming to enforce these unconstitutional orders, although that's certainly part of it. Um, I think, I, I, I only have an example that I was going to offer rather than a, a concrete proposal. But for instance, we need something big, like, like an organized taxpayer strike, okay, where we just, as a country, or at 50, 70 million people of us, or, or some large percentage of that, just, we say, we're not going to send our taxes in and come and arrest all of us. Um, 
I'm not saying I'm not trying to invite a prosecution of myself. I pay my taxes. I'm still waiting on a refund right now that for all I know, the government is playing gays with me over that. Um, but a tax strike is, is a way to really get the government's attention. And it's a way that if people get, get bind together, uh, they can really be heard loudly and clearly. Um, but more generally, I would like to see some Republican governor or really governors use the tactics that the Democrats have used on things like immigration and declare their states a sanctuary, a sanctuary for the Second Amendment, a sanctuary for uh, against these unconstitutional mandates, a sanctuary for a tax protest, if that's what it comes to. And we don't have to declare war on the federal government like some people are calling for, but the same way that you had you know, New Jersey Governor Murphy or California Governor Newsom say, uh, in, not just say, but instruct state officials to not cooperate with ICE. Well, how about some of these Republican state governors direct their state employees to not cooperate with the IRS, to not cooperate with OSHA, to not cooperate with all these federal agents that are trying to enforce unconstitutional laws uh, and, and make, make your point that way. Um, yes, we need civil, civil disobedience from the population, but we also need some organized leadership. Right now we're leaderless and, and that's really, that was really one of the big uh, reasons the, tax, the, the Tea Party failed. Ultimately, there was no leader and there was a lot of blind rage and a lot of blind anger, uh, but ultimately it was not able to be harnessed by a leader that could take us to the promised land. And you know, as we we're gonna get ready we're, we're gonna start getting ready for the 2024, 2022 and 2024 campaigns. Some Republican needs to step up or Republicans need to step up and show the leadership that we are gonna need going forward. And we're gonna need to fight and fight hard and, and really you know, not, we're gonna have to be willing to, to do some unconventional things. As I said to Mike earlier in, the, in this show, um, not violence, I'm not calling for violence, but unconventional measures. Make, make Biden have to do things that he probably doesn't wanna do. Um, you know, another example that I thought of was Trump should have Barr appoint a special prosecutor for the Hunter Biden and Joe Biden stuff that came out just before the election. The media didn't wanna cover it. Biden didn't wanna answer for it. Fine, let Biden fire that prosecutor when he comes in. Let him explain why he should fire that person. We need to put them on defense. We need to do things and make them be the ones who react instead of us always reacting and always saying, how dare they? What are we going to do now? How about we take the initiative and let them say, how dare they? And what are we going to do now? We need to take the initiative, whether it's through mass civil disobedience or whether it's through leadership from our elected Republican officials, especially at the governor level, the state legislature level, and, and, and in Congress. Um, we, need, we need Republicans that are willing to go out and lead for us because we don't have a leader for our movement. The Tea Party didn't, and right now we don't. So, um, and, you know, I was hoping President Trump would, would lead. I still hope that he will before he leaves office. Um, I don't understand his silence. Uh, I don't see good reasons for it right now. But hopefully that's just temporary. Um, with that, I'll, I'll yield the floor and I'll just, again, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and I hope the holidays are gonna be great for all of us. And 
you know, I'm looking forward to continuing next week and beyond. Okay, so I promise just to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and go next week. We will be accepting nominations for the post that Ed is talking about, and you can nominate yourself. So with that, have a happy holiday. Mike, Sylvia, thank you again so much for joining us. And we will be back here next week, which is December 1, 2, I believe, December the 2nd at 4 o'clock p.m. This podcast will be up within a half hour, hour on iTunes and on SoundCloud and hopefully wherever else you get your podcasts. And people listening to this are welcome to join us live. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike Sylvia. You are a hero and a patriot. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, guys.